You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. The necromancer of Dol Guldur is at last revealed as the great enemy, yet it is through his mighty vassal, Azog, that Sauron threatens to crush all resistance to his power in the north. The time for secrecy has passed, the pale orc is now unleashed upon his foes as the fearsome general of Sauron's massed hordes. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Green Dragon, your podcast about the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit strategy battle game by Games Workshop. Today with me, I am joined by Jeremy. G'day. And David. Greetings. And we have another Know Thine Enemy for you all today. And today's character is Azog. Azog the Defiler. Or the Lieutenant of Sauron. Take your pick. Take your pick. He has two profiles. Not that they're hugely different. And quite a few different models now. He's got the the one that comes with the Warg and on foot, the old version there. With the white wag on the, the round base, what is it, 50 mil round base, I think? The Azog base is being called now. Yes, the Azog base. And he's also got the new pose, which I think is definitely the better of the two. I've got both of them in person. The first one was a little bit weedy for my liking. The second one feels a lot more buff. They photographed it at possibly the worst angle possible. It looks so two-dimensional in the picture, but it actually looks quite good in real life. I actually quite like the one on Wag, to be honest. I think that's just a very powerful charging about to hit someone like Thorin in the face and just ride him down. I quite like the mountain model. And you can tell a character's important when they get their own base size. <laughs> I think they've started to do that a lot now with the, the models. It's very much an aesthetic choice, I think. It's just make the model and then choose the base size that it fits on. Yeah, I mean, Bog even got that really weird-looking oval-ishy type thing that he's got going on. So Azog's base there. <laughs> the problem with the Azog model is that you need the white wag and you don't get a white wag. So if you're like me, you just buy another Azog, chop him off the white wag, sculpt the fur on, then you've got another white wag, and then use the other parts to make Gundabed or captains and other things and a and an Azog with both hands. <laughs> That's right, you did do that, didn't you? Yes, certainly did. Came out pretty well. It beats painting just a regular wag white. And putting it on a 50 mil base, which will be hard to get True. hold of as which it is. I wouldn't mind if someone does that, though. I can see why they would do that. The 50 mil base, you can probably just get it online. I'm sure they sell it. Yeah, you probably could find it floating around on GW's website or whatever. But I think now we need to sort of get into Azog's profile. So I think I'll dive right in here. We'll start with the normal, plain old, generic, run-of-the-mill Azog. Yep, the first profile we got in the Hobbit rulebook. Yep, so he has move 6 as is standard. He is an orc as well. He is fight 7 with shoot value 5 plus, strength 5, defense 5, 3 attacks, 3 wounds, and a courage of 5. He has 3 might, 3 will, 1 fate. His war gear is an armor and a two-handed axe. His options are a lance. Not sure why you take it, but it's there. And the white wag, which I'll get to in a sec. He also has a special rules of burly which allows him to fight with a two-handed weapon without the minus one penalty, which is very, very handy. And also the I Am Master special rule. When rolling to wound an enemy against an enemy hero after winning the fight, Azog always wounds his foe on a three-plus regardless of their defense, which is his bread and butter special rule, really. And I know why he's got the lance option. It's because he used to be the, the model we now call Yazneg, and that, mm. was, that was the original Azog design which had a lance on it. So they gave us the option there. Didn't make a lot of sense with the burly and the two-handed weapon, but now we've that become Yasneg. So the lance 
pretty much I don't think anyone would take it for any reason. Mm. As I mentioned before, Azog also has the White Wog, which is basically strapping a White Wog chieftain to Azog and saying, go son, go. The White Wog obviously has moved 10, but it is a hero as well. So he has fight 5, uh, shoot value of 5+, plus, strength 4, defense 5, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, and courage of 4. He has 3 might, 1 will, 1 fate. His special rules are Raging Beast, which means the White Wog automatically passes his courage test to stay alive and fight if he's if Azog is separated from him. This is the best rule he has. I really like that one. In addition, he automatically passes all courage tests, which is crazy awesome. Effectively fearless. Yeah. Absolutely. And on a Wog, that's really, 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 really useful. He also has a special rule called Packmaster, which means only Wild Wogs, Fell Wogs, and Wild Wild Chieftains may use the White Wogs stand fast or benefit from his heroic actions. And we talked about this a bit on the Courage episode, I think, with some uses there, so we won't go into that too much, but it's a plus and a minus. The nice thing is he's in a list with a lot of Fell Wogs there, so you will make use of that rule. Yep. Also, in the most, in one of the more recent FAQs and in the recent edition of the Battle of Five Armies, the White Wag also picked up a third special rule called Deadly Union. As long as Azog is mounted upon the White Wag, you can spend either Azog's or the White Wag stores of Might, Will, and Fate as if they shared the same profile, which is very, very handy and makes him so, so lethal. But that's what it was before. They've just clarified it because the mounted model, you can choose the different stats. They just made it super clear there. Yep. In addition, Azog also has a secondary profile, the Lieutenant of Siren, I believe he is called. And David, what are the differences between regular Azog and the Lieutenant of Siren? The main difference I'm looking at now is he's picked up an extra special rule called General of the North. By Sauron's will, Azog is the undisputed commander of the Orc Hordes. It means he picks up Saruman the White Standfast Radius. So he has a 12-inch Standfast. That can affect heroes. Nasty. Yeah, affecting heroes is the best part about that. 12 inches, give or take that, but affecting heroes is really... Is it just Saruman that's got that? Saruman. So, yeah, it's Saruman and Azog now that can do it. Yep, uh, brilliant. He's also got a couple extra points of fate, doesn't he? Yeah, he's up to three fate because he survived the first two movies, so they've just chipped a little extra. Might as well keep him alive. So, regular Azog comes in at 175 points, 225 with the White Wag. The Lieutenant of Sauron version is 200 points or 250 with the White Wag. So, pretty costly there. You're looking at Aragorn tier, Boromir, Captain of the White Tower with Banner tier there. So, pretty big on the points. Yeah, he's, he's about as much as you're going to pay for a, a character that's essentially a cavalry model or an infantry model. So, really expensive investment there. He's not a monster. He doesn't cause terror. So, he's pretty much a standard character, but he plays a role for the evil that they don't get in a lot of other characters where he's got the three might, he's got the fight seven, and he's got the three attacks. Yeah, so let's let's pick him apart. What makes Azog different from every other character in the game? What makes him different to, say, a Gothmog or a Shagrat? What makes him more powerful than those other characters? As you said, he's up there at the Boromir Aragon points level, but he hits with that kind of hitting power. He wounds on threes. Even the magic sword of death only wounds on fours. It's his ability to go into something with fight seven, three attacks, three might, and kill it. The wounding on the three plus on the heroes is definitely what makes him who he is. And the nice thing about that is it doesn't get modified now. So the burly doesn't affect it, which we initially thought it does. But you can still use your might on that. You've got a huge chunk of might. 
And it means that you can go up against Treebeards and Eagles and really big high defense characters and have no trouble wounding them. So it's actually quite funny. And you play him against one of the scenarios with the Eagles and he finds it easier to wound Guahir than he does for the standard Eagles. Yeah, which is quite interesting too. And even like Thorin Oakenshield, if he stares down the barrel of an Azog on the charge, he's gone... I'm not too confident about this. I think even the three wounds, three fate heroes with three might all full fresh, they're worried. Like they're gonna look at Azog and go, This could hurt. This could this could take me out if he wins the combat. If you made it your life's goal to hunt down dwarven heroes, this is the special rule you would choose. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, if if you can add a special rule to almost any other character in the game, this will be the rule you choose. <laughs> it is that good. And have you guys used it before? Yeah, well, we've played... I think everyone here has played the scenarios with Azog. And I, I took Azog to a little Heroes and Monsters tournament where you could only take Heroes and Monsters. I think you took 500 points worth. And the, the highlight for me with playing with Azog there was I charged a Gandalf, Gandalf the, the Grey, I think it was, and I called a heroic combat off a charge Gandalf, killed him, and you know how hard Gandalf is to kill with the fate and the rerolls, and then got to charge another hero and killed that. So I got two heroes like 300 points of heroes in one combat phase just because that three-plus rule and the knockdown of the WAG. Very, very powerful there. I'd also like to really point out, I think this is the option, the white WAG is the option that makes Azog go from, you know, an infantry-based character of sheer death and destruction to the, I am going to atom bomb an army. I am going to touch something and it's going to die. It it is he's literally got like what Boromir has, the touch of death, because whilst on the white bug, they can share their might with fate. So he can rock into a battle with six might, four will, and two fate. That's just at his regular profile. You get an extra two fate on that if you go his ascended one. It's nuts. You can what do you guys take on the, the six mites there in the white wild? I think this is Aragon and Boromir in the same profile. It's what what have you got to stop that? It's just... It means you can pretty well guarantee a result straight off. So you know that if I'm charging a hero, I've got the mic to turn a 1 into a 6 if I need it. I've got the fight 7 there. I can call a heroic combat. If I get to fight before other things and people don't get time to strike, I can pretty much kill whatever I'm in contact with. Yeah, he takes Boromir's touch of death to a whole new level. And I'd like to really touch a bit more on just the White Wag's uniqueness because he is a part of Azog's profile. It's a little bit of a shame we can't take him as a sort of regular character in the Hunter Rock list. We have to take Azog to get him. But I know, Jeremy, you've used uh, White Wild to quite some skullduggery and trickery being pulled off. My favorite one, the best thing about the White Wag, in addition to the combined profile, is that you're guaranteed to get to use him when you dismount. So you give another character that during the end game is essentially fearless. So you can go capture an objective with him. You can go charge a terror-causing model and it's one of the few models in your Azog's Hunter list that can actually guarantee it's got the courage to charge anything that causes terror, one of the scary elves or a troll. What I've done sometimes is call heroic combats with Azog and the Warg, so I knock down, kill the model, and then I'll dismount during that heroic combat so that Azog can move through a small gap and then go attack another character that might be trapped, and the Warg can then, part of the combat, go off and attack something else. So... It doesn't happen very often, but if I'm trying to wipe out that last character, Azog doesn't really need to be on his WAG anymore towards the end game. You can go do that, and it gives you a, a real surprise 
on that. So I've done that a few times. The dismount and then have the WAG hold up a couple guys, charge there and, and wall it off with that massive base is a good one as well. And then Azog can go to work. But just giving Azog a knockdown is really, really solid. Yeah, I most definitely agree with that one as well, Jeremy. Just the sheer damage and power coming out of him it makes you wonder how you deal with him. And I'd like to see your guys' opinions on how do you deal with Azog? Six might, three attacks on the charge, the fight seven, the I am master special. How do you guys deal with an Azog? Looking at Azog on a white wag, he's 250-something points, but you're going to have to... You're going to have to take something equally as big with a whole lot of backup. So, say, even then, he's wounding you on threes. I'm going to have to say magic or, I don't know, hit him with a couple of trebuchets or something while he closes. (laughs) You always say magic. That's a good way of doing it. I think general tactics for everyone, first of all, if you don't have a magic user, is try and make sure he can't get to your characters. If he gets to your characters, your character's dead. So you need to use your infantry to stop him getting at your characters. If he kills infantry, that's great, but he's 250 points or whatever trying to kill infantry. He's not going to get his money's worth. He will if he kills your characters. He's going to try and kill all your characters. Stop that. Keep your characters away from him, first of all. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the power he has against characters is just ludicrous. And even if you charge him, he can still turn around and do some quite decent return damage. It takes a big operation to take him down. I mean, if he's mounted on the walk, he still has four wheel with six might backing him, so he can probably resist two, probably even three spells quite comfortably before he runs out of will and might to sort of stop that. So he has quite a decent shield against magic. So you want to really use your basic troops and just zone him really well. Watch out for the old bulk tactic of charging in and calling her at combats to go into your second rank characters. Really think about the base size and how he's going to be literally moving around the table and work out how you're going to block that. The other thing as well is he's defense five. Yeah, you can take advantage of that, especially there's one of the scenarios, uh, I think I'll talk about it a bit later, but basically the eagles are attacking Azog, and the way you do it is just hurl hunter orcs at him, and you try and make it so he's on the ground and knocked over, and then if he can only move three inches a turn, he's off his wag, you can avoid him very easily. So if you've got if you've got eagles or a monster, I would just hurl at him because it actually does some serious damage to him with defense five. So hit him with that, hit him with shooting weapons, even, even shooting into combat becomes, you know, a viable option against Defense 5. If you're an evil player, yes, shooting into combat, even if you kill your own guy, that's really good because he does more damage while he's in combat. He doesn't want to be avoiding combat. No, he wants to be in combat at all times, most definitely. How would you guys run Azog? Would you run him with the Hunter Rock list? Would you run him with Gundabad? Would you run him with hun- generic Hunter Rocks on Wag? How do you guys see Azog being run? How do you like to back him up? I go always pure Azog Hunter list. I don't think the allies are really that necessary with him. He can do anything, and he takes up so many points that you can end up weakening your list. The one way is to go with a lot of Hunter Orcs, and that's the hit hit hard, hit fast, and try and take out the enemy as soon as possible. That's a, a tough way of playing, and it means you either win very quickly or you lose very quickly. If you take the Gundabad Orcs, it means you can hold up for a long time. You've got your Defense 6 wall... They can shield, they can get spear support, you can fight in a small area, so you can let him do a lot more work. But the problem there is they don't have quite the hitting power of the Hunter Orcs, and they're they're on the little bit of the costly side as well, both in the models and in the points. But I don't really like to mix them too much. I think there's a problem there when you do that, whereas if you take Gundabads and Hunters, they pick on your Hunters, kill them off quickly, and the Defence 6 guys are left around doing nothing. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't do that too often. But if you can, you get some of the the sixty point characters in there as well within the Yaznegs and your your Fimble and your Narzag and and really support him and help him do what he wants to do. For a personal preference, I'd go with the more heavily armored orcs simply because when you've got a character this expensive. If the enemy protects their own characters, or if they don't have anything too expensive for you to kill in one shot, it's going to take Azog time to recoup his points value, in which case you're going to need an army that'll still be there when the end of the game comes round. Whereas the low defense of the Hunter Orcs means they have a habit of dying too quickly. Yeah, I agree with both of you on this one. Either go go all in on one side, either go mass Hunter Orcs or mass Gundabads, and I can see the merits for both of them. I think with Azog, you really need to be conscious of what's around him. I think his biggest weakness is actually the guys right next to him because he's easier to he's easier to zone if he get boxed in by his own guys. In fact, magic itself is more effective on the guys next to him to stop him from getting into combat or, for instance, sorcerers blasting a guy through him, hurling a guy through him. His weakness is the guys around him. To support him, I feel you just need to just peel, just get guys from overwhelming him almost because he can take on heroes really well. Basic warriors, he's not that happy. Okay, so you've mentioned two things, zoning and peeling. Now I'm going to do my best at describing what you mean by that and then you can correct me, Travis, because I'm going to have (laughs) a go at this. The zoning is when you're putting things in his way so his 50 mil base can't get past. So it could be terrain, it could be the occasional wag, it could be some models to get in his way, just trying to stop him from, from moving, holding him off. One way you can do that is compel models around in front of him so he can't get through. Yep. Is that, that what you mean by zoning? Yeah. Good, good, good. And healing is when he charges your character. So you go, and this is where they make a mistake. So he charges your character and adds a hunter orc to that combat just to help out. Then you make sure you get another infantry model to charge Azog. And he doesn't cause terror, so you know you can do it. And then that has to be a one-on-one fight. And then the hero versus the hunter orc has to be the one-on-one fight. And you might even call a heroic combat against that hunter orc and just run away. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly it. And as great as Azog is, he is he is prone to being taken down by lots of enemy heroes at once. If he's fighting, say, I don't know, Thor and Oakenshield, Dwalin, Gloin, and I don't know, Balin all at once, he is likely to go down. Peeling as well also means getting just a couple of hunter orcs to peel two of their characters off. He can probably take on two heroes quite comfortably, but... He can burn through those six points of might fairly quickly, and you're only going to get one round of combat against those characters to deal damage. You're not likely to knock out all of them in one go, and then they're ready to counterattack. While he has resources, he's powerful. I think what catches people out is Fight 7's not what it used to be. It used to be almost, if you were Fight 7 with six might, as long as you had that might, no one was beating you in combat, so the defense five didn't matter. With Heroic Strike, it doesn't matter if you've got six might, you only get the one dice. If you're up against three heroes, their fight 10, you might not be. Yeah. So you've got to use his heroic combats to make sure you're fighting the combats ahead of time. You want to attack heroes that don't have might wherever possible. You want to keep all his might for combat. You don't want to be spending his might on marches or moves if possible. Yeah. That's for your generic heroes. That's for your Fimbles or your, your Hunter Rock Captains or your Naznegs walking around. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones in that list. I think that would be the best way to bring down an Azog is just to try and burn out his stats sort of wasting them away on smaller combats. Yeah, throw two infantry into him and tempt him to do a heroic combat where he can then charge a, mm-hmm. a hero that you think can hold him off or someone else, something valuable, and make him spend might to do the heroic combat. Hope that he then doesn't roll to wound and then spends more might to wound. And 
Well, if you put a warrior with, say, stun in base contact, even though he can cop the damage, he can't really afford to be copying a stun. So then he might have to burn might to win a combat that doesn't really help him. And get some shots off early and try and do some wounds early on because he's pretty much going to be a leader whenever they take him. So they might spend their fate to save that wound. They might spend some might to use that fate. And then hopefully you can just drain some stats. If you can separate him from the WAG, that's half his stats gone. Mm-hmm. So make sure yeah. you can do that. So anything Which that can knock down. Which is why you usually see players use the white WAG stats before they start to use analogs. Yeah. Which is a trick as well because some you, the, the white WAG is a very valuable piece as well. You don't want him having no stats at all. If he's got one point of might, he's incredibly useful. He can do a lot of things. If he's got nothing, he's a two-attack character that's fearless, but you can't get the maximum use out of him. So Mm. it's a trick to work out how much of the stats you want to use. I would pretty well almost always use the the White Wag's will early on because Mm. if people are wasting their magic on the White Wag later, I'm not too fussed. I would, and he's fearless, so you're not using it for courage tests. Mm -hmm. I would use probably two of the White Wag's points first up and leave him with one, and then maybe spend one of Azogs before I chose to spend that last White Warg one, just for that heroic combat you want to do with the White Warg and or a bunch of strike wags. if you're in combat with a particularly nasty hero. Sometimes a threat of the strike is enough, just to have that point of might, and just say, I'm going to strike up against you if you charge me. People don't charge you. Mm. One other thing I've noticed as well is Elven Blades are really quite useful against him. Yes, he can munch down the Elven heroes, but especially against the big ones that are like Fight 7, I'm thinking your Gorfindals, your, your new Legolas, your new Legolas, your Thranduils. I can't remember the new one, the Elrond. Even those sorts. The of, new White Council, yes. Yeah, those sort of characters. He doesn't really like going heads up into simply because the Elven Blade can be quite nasty. And I have seen quite a few times the Elven Blade roll that three and win them the combat because they have the Elven Blade. So be cautious of that. If you're going into an Elven hero, make sure it's calculated. He's a bully. He wants to pick on guys that are weaker and, and kill it off. So he should be killing three or four mid-level heroes a game, maybe then combining with some friends to take on a big hero. But don't go all in on the big hero and then end up losing him. There's one last interaction I would like to sort of point out and bring to the fore before we move on. He has a very interesting interaction with Yazneg. Now, he can take off Yazneg's head, kill him if his army is broken to automatically pass courage tests. What is your feelings on sort of the pseudo-headtaker rule of Yasneg and Azog? Oh, I think it's great to have that because Hunter Orcs, especially if you're doing the Hunter Orc version, the Gundabads have Courage 3, so they're actually reasonably resilient. But you take the Hunter Orcs and the Wargs, you Courage 2 across the board, you are, if things start to go wrong, you will break because they're not too hard to kill. If you come up against a heavy shooty army or someone that can has a lot of attacks in a small area of high fight, They'll whittle down your characters and you'll be down to break tests and your whole army can disappear in one turn. So to give you a guaranteed turn where pretty much nothing's going away if you use it well is well worth it. And it means that you can concentrate on Yazneg spending his might early on for the heroic marches so you can get to combat early. The the heroic moves to make sure you get the charge. The heroic strikes to make sure that you're higher fight. The heroic combats, all that sort of stuff. Use up his three points of might and then chop his head off. Yasneg's rule, that was the auto-pass courage for the turn. Was it a boosted standfast range? Or? Yes, it was. It, it only works on the regular Azog, but it boosts a regular Azog's standfast to 12 inches and gives everything re-rolls as well, I believe. Yes, um, Azog is considered to automatically pass his courage test and his standfast has a range of 12 inches. If Yasneg is removed from play in this way, then whilst Azog is still alive, so this is multiple turns, all Hunter Orcs, Hunter Orc Captains, 
Fimble the Hunter, and Narzug reroll fail courage test. So it's definitely designed for the Hunter Orc Force, and it means that that reroll fail courage test is really impressive. A courage two of a reroll, you're getting over a 50 chance of. If you have a horn in there, courage three with a reroll. You're getting pretty reliable courage, especially on your captains. So if it gets down to a point where you're breaking and you've got guys still alive, you've still got captains around, you've still got hunters around, you still need to play the game, do it. Cool. I think that's really all that's really fleshed down on the character of Azog. I think we can move on to some uh, to some arbitrary scores here. Why not? <laughs> let's do this. All right, David, let's start with you. What would you give Azog out of 10? On a scale of 1 to Z. Ooh, 1 to Z. Q, I'm thinking. Excellent. Do you want a scale of 1 to 10 as well? Or? Let's do the 1 to 10 as well. That's been the tradition. <laughs> and basically, I know that most of our characters have got between 7 and 9 here, but that's because we're choosing characters that we like. At the moment, we've still got a huge amount of choice. We're basically choosing stuff that we find really good. <laughs> and Travis is giving me a score that's different because he wants to be different. Okay, I'm looking at 6 might at fight 7 with 3 plus to wound. This is all the best heroes you can think of rolled into one. It's a lot of points, but... It's worth a lot of points. Nine and a half. Ooh, very nice score there. I'm going to give a nine for the first version. My issue with the first version is the Lance is silly and doesn't do a whole lot there. And there's... It's the conversion opportunity. So if you go... Yeah, and there's the axe, which he doesn't actually have on the model. And Once again, conversion opportunity. Oh, yeah. You can conversion opportunity only once. And then I'm going to go... A 9.75 on the newer version. My only consideration there is the Defense 5 can come back to get you at times. If that was even one point higher, I think he'll be the perfect character. I think with all the other benefits, if you boost his defense, he would just become stupid. I'd love to have an armor option like in the last movie for him. I think that would would put him to be probably my favorite character in the whole game then if he had that option. I'm going to give a 6 for the first version. I have taken him down very easily before. However, the new version with the extra two point of fates, I think, is a very big factor. And the 12-inch damn fast affecting friendly heroes is you can abuse that. You can abuse that so well. So I'm giving the Lieutenant of Sauron version a nine and a half. So Travis goes around to Games Workshop stores and beats up like 12-year-olds and then talks about his prowess. I so do not beat up 12-year-olds. They're they 15. 13. Thank you. <laughs> yep. So the the a six from Travis. And then between 9 and 10 for David and I, you I make your the choice. super form of 9.5. Yeah, but I chose to ignore that. That much difference. 3.5 points difference for the Standfast and the Fate. Yes. Okay, there we go. Fate and Standfast, really important in Travis's mind. Not so much in mine. I gave about a, like a 0.75 difference. David, did you have a difference? You didn't. Um, no. You pay more points, you get better rules. There you go. Appropriately costed. All right, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Know Thine Enemy. And as always, guys, Traps Wing Games. Welcome, comrades, to Know Thine Lore, the quiet corner of the Green Dragon where we sit down and discuss such weighty topics and crack open such heavy tomes of knowledge. Today we are discussing Azog the Defiler, whose mention within the main novels is brief. He appears in The Hobbit, though not by name. When Gandalf stands forth and says, The goblins are upon you! 
Bolg of the North is coming, Odain, whose father you slew in Moria. And that is all we see of Azog. However, in the appendices found at the very back of The Return of the King, we see a somewhat deeper story, somewhat more rich. It starts in the year where Beragond is the 27th steward of Gondor. This is following closely upon the events of the Long Winter, where Saruman has been given Orthanc. Our story begins with Thor. He is tired of wandering. He has decided he has had enough. He is going once more to reclaim glory. He is wise enough not to try and battle Smaug single-handedly, and so decides to set out for Moria, pausing only to task Thrain and Thorin with their final vengeance against the dragon. Thor, taking one companion with him, an old dwarf by the name of Nar, ventures into Moria to do battle with the Belrog and whatever other nasties he may find. He doesn't come out alive. Nar, standing by the doorway, is disturbed by a sound. The head of Thor rolls out, and Azog stands forth. They exchange insults, and Azog throws a small pouch of coin at Nar, saying, Take this and be gone. You are my messenger. Thor was the eldest surviving heir of Durin the Deathless, the eldest of the seven dwarf lords. This was an insult that could not be borne. The other six dwarf families were summoned. This is one of their few appearances in the books. They get a brief mention when they're created, and then they just wander off. They're not even in the War of the Ring, but they showed up just this once to claim vengeance. It took three years to summon all of the dwarves, and the battle of the orcs and the dwarves lasted for six. They cleansed Gundabag and the entire Misty Mountains, until they came at last to Moria, to Kazag Doom, to the Battle of Az-An-Ul-Bazar, where in the Dimral Dale they met. The battle follows as such. There was a whole bunch of dwarves on one side, and there was a whole bunch of orcs on the other. They charged up, and they met in the middle. The orcs were too many. The dwarves were driven back. Thorin and Thor were forced to seek cover in a wood, where Thorin picked up his oaken shield and was generally awesome. Dane, however, was there, and so was his father, Nain. Nain cut his way to the gates of Moria itself, where Azhog stood forth, and his bodyguard of effectively super orcs, with great thick armour, tall, muscular. They smote Nain and his bodyguard, for Nain was tired with much fighting. And then Azhog cut off Nain's head and held it up in glory. Unfortunately, while he'd been fighting, orcs are orcs, and they had been losing badly. The dwarves had rallied, he was surrounded, the battle was lost. Azhog, in true orcish style, legs it. This is where Dane comes in, jumps him from behind, just as he passes through the doors. Victory to the dwarves for all time. Unfortunately, they'd lost a lot of dwarves, and there was still a Balrog in Moria. They looked round and said, there's a lot of dead dwarves here. We can't fight a Balrog. Sorry, Durin's folk, you're on your own. The other six families packed up and left, and Thorin and Thrain were left standing there going, Now what? Back to Cole? Back to Cole. And that is all we have of Azog the Devala. So, thank you for this time, and I hope you'll be joining me at some later date, as we delve deeper into the world which Tolkien wrote.
Welcome to Know Thine Scenario Azog. I'm Jeremy here talking about the scenarios that involve Azog from the Hobbit strategy battle game. Now, Azog was in the movie quite a bit for The Hobbit, but he was only in the books for a little bit. So I'm going to start with the scenarios that involve both, the Battle of the Dimmeraldale. In the Desolation of Smaug, there are three Battle of Dimmeraldale scenarios, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. They're all very similar in that they involve the Dwarves versus Azog and his Gundabad and Hunter Orcs, and all of them have the same victory conditions for good, just kill Azog. In the first one, Azog has to kill Thror, the second one he has to kill Thrain, and in the third one he has to wipe out the rest of the Dwarves. In the scenarios 1 and 2, Azog gets a special rule called the Pale Orc, where he's unstoppable in battle, and he gets to fight a heroic combat every turn, every fight phase without expending might. This makes up for him not having the White Warg, so he can still move around, he can still attack, 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 and not get pinned down by Dwarf Warriors trying to hold him up. There are plenty of heroes for him to kill, but you have to be really careful. He can easily take down a dwarf hero, but you want to be engaging them when they run out of might. So you need to use your other warriors to drain them first, your other heroes to try and force them to spend might on heroic strikes or combats, and then you want to go and spend all your might going after the particular objective character you have to go after. Try to keep Azog away from dwarf heroes that aren't the ones you want to kill with might always avoid them. If two or more come after you, you're probably going to end up losing. So you want to protect Azog a little bit, but still go in hard and attack. Don't let him get surrounded. Use your heroic combats to keep moving. And then maybe in the second fight, try and pick on a character like Dwarlan or Barlan or any of the ones that have lower than fight seven. Once you know they can't call the heroic strike, usually the best time to attack them. These scenarios are interesting in that they get smaller as they go on. So you start with a huge amount of models on the board, and then you get smaller and smaller as you go. We've only just started playing through them. We're having a good time, but we'll continue to do that, and we'll put some reports up on our Green Dragon podcast a bit later. So in short, for these three scenarios, attack with Azog. Try and use your heroic combats in the first couple to pick off guys. In the last one, just make sure that you pick off the heroes. Maybe use the captains as a bit of a bodyguard as well. Don't keep them right next to him because it can be easy to pin you both. But try and go after the, your objective as soon as possible. Really put the pressure on. Now I'm going to go back to the Unexpected Journey rulebook. There are two scenarios of Azog in this. The first one is called The Chase. It's scenario number two. Now in the movie, the role of Azog in this scenario is played by Yazneg. So it's probably one of the scripting inconsistencies that happened because of the movies changing from two to three movies. In this scenario, the dwarves have to run and get off from one side of the board to the other in 12 turns or less. So it's a classic dwarves run. Azog is your best weapon for taking out dwarves in this scenario. He's also your best weapon for taking out Radagast the Brown on Slay. There's a special rule in this scenario where your models cannot charge or shoot the good models unless the Slay has been wounded. So you need to either use Azog to go try and wound Radagast's Slay, or use Azog's Courage to make sure he's the one charging dwarves, picking them off at the end. I try and use Azog in this one as a bit of a, a shepherd to sort of follow behind, make sure he's threatening, but don't engage too early, because if he gets killed off, and he will if he takes on a lot of dwarves, you've really lost him for the rest of the scenario. The evil side tries to play very defensive and just slow down the dwarves, so try not to get the dwarves attacking just one hunter orc or a guy on his own because they'll call heroic combats and then speed right up. So you have to be really conservative with the evil player in this one. You don't want to just throw Azog in because 
you've got Gandalf, Radagast, and then 13 dwarves ready to kill you. The next scenario that I've got is called number seven, Into the Fire. In this one, you've got a very small amount of good models, Thor and Oakenshield, Bilbo, Guahia, and four giant eagles against a small band of hunters, Azog, Nazag, Fimble, and then 600 orcs on Felwags, and then six Felwags by themselves. Azog needs to be attacking Thorin, Bilbo, or Guahir in this scenario. Don't get hung up on the Great Eagles. Watch out, the Great Eagles will throw models at Azog and try and knock him off his wag. So you've got to use your speed, you've got to use all the trees that you've got there to block the throwing paths from the Eagles to him, and then try and make sure you can get into Thorin. You might need to call heroic combats to do that. Don't be afraid to take down Guahir. You've also got a couple of good heroes there with Nazag and Fimble to help you out. But yeah, Azog, go at Thorin, try and take him out as soon as possible. Back to the Desolation of Smaug book, we've got scenario number eight. Our journey is continuing. This one is a bit of a unique scenario, although it, there have been a few of them, where you only get one model on the good side. So Bayorn the Bear is fighting Azog, Nazag, some hunters on Wags, and some hunters on foot. Azog doesn't say he has the white wag in this one, so we've played it without the white wag, and that you get a much much closer game. If he does have the white wag, he can do it really easily because he's got the speed to keep up with Bayorn, and he's got the might to really take him down. The trick of this scenario for Azog is to make sure you're attacking Bayorn with the support of some more hunters and ideally Nazog. You want to be able to use their might together to take on Bayorn. Watch out for Bayon barging. Watch out for him throwing models. You don't want him to be able to barge into you and then be able to take out Azog before you've had a chance to strike up because Bayon's got the higher fight here. So you won't have any trouble wounding Bayon once you win the combat, but you will have trouble with Azog if Bayon gets to you first. So watch out for that. Try and force Bayon to use the might and then go attack with Azog wherever possible. This scenario is actually quite tough for Bayon, so don't worry too much about it as the Azog player. Go attack, but try and attack with as much support as possible. Then Azog appears in two barrels out of bond scenarios. These are some of my favorite scenarios in the book. Unfortunately, in the movie, it's not actually Azog, it's Bolg playing that. So we've been subbing Bolg in quite recently, and now that Bolg's on a wag as well, I think it's a pretty easy straight swap. But the main job of Azog, or Bolg in this one, is to go really threaten and take out a hero, take out one in the barrel. So part one, dwarves are in the barrels, get Azog in place, don't let him get shot out wherever possible, because the elves and Tariel and Legolas can actually shoot out Azog before he even gets in combat. So try and protect him, go behind some trees if possible, go behind some rocks, use some in the ways, and then go attack a dwarf. I would actually consider doing a heroic combat off one barrel to another if you can, because if you can get two dwarves in one turn, you've done a pretty good job with Azog. In Barrels Out of Bond Part 2, it's almost a straight fight where the evil side needs to run at the good side as soon as possible, weather the shooting, and then go and attack, attack, attack until they get to Killy. Don't let Azog get shot off his wag where possible here. Maybe use him as a bit of a flanking force so he all your evil side engages at a time but you might actually need to just throw him forward and call some heroics. He's got his white wag in this one, so he can attack, but there's a huge volume of bow fire there, and with his low defense, they can take him out. So protect Azog, and then go attack. Try and kill some small heroes if you can. So Tariel or Legolas or Killy, Tariel and Legolas aren't particularly small, but have a go at attacking there. 
that's a fun scenario as well, but it's it's very close to a points match as well. You get the battle lines and then you you call some marches with the evil player and run forward. Don't use Azog's might for the marches, of course. Use it from the other heroes around. Now that leaves us one more scenario, which is one that I still haven't played and I still really want to play. This is the Assault on Ravenhill. At this current time of recording, I have most of the models done. I don't have my uh, Radagast on Eagle conversion done up. And I don't have a few of the dwarves, but I've got most of the other stuff ready to go. So this scenario is all heroes, basically, against Azog and lots of Gundabags. So Azog needs to use the Gundabags to protect him from the heroes and then be opportunistic. Take out some heroes. It's another one of those ones where if he dies, you're almost on the way to losing. So be really picky with your combats with Azog. Make the good side work to get there. Use your swarm of Gundabags wherever possible. Well, that's all the scenarios here. I know this has gone for a little while. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.